everyone, and welcome to Crypt Time. My name is Shannon, and I'll be your host for today as we get into the nitty-gritty of disability in the media. Well, why don't we get started with some facts? In 2010, it was found that 56.7 million people, or 18.7% of Americans, have disabilities. Yet, when it came to the top 100 films of 2015, characters with disabilities only appeared in 55. 61% had physical disabilities, 37.1% had mental or cognitive disabilities, and 18.1% had communicative disabilities. Also, characters with disabilities were overwhelmingly male. Only 19% were female characters. Lastly, 10 out of 100 top-grossing films from 2015 featured characters with disabilities as leads or co-leads. And of the 11 movies deemed having an ensemble member with a disability, two featured characters with disabilities were part of the core ensemble. The rest did not have names or speaking roles. The industry's lack of interest in these stories make disabilities seem less common than they are, and its tendency to tell stories that emphasize the struggles associated with disability limit the range of things that people with disabilities get to do in fiction. The result is not merely a limited number of roles available to actors with disabilities, but a limited range as well. And if you remember the earlier statistic, just 2% of these characters were in animated films. The article states, In other words, Finding Dory, a film about a fish with a cognitive disability, may be a hit, but otherwise, content targeting the youngest viewers all but erases this community. Images of people with disabilities interact with other ways in which Hollywood is profoundly unequal. When it comes to gender, 32% of these films had women as leads or co-leads, and 31.4% of characters overall were female. That's a pretty stark difference in gendered representation. Of course, this article also stated nothing about trans people or non-binary people. Not that I was surprised, just a little disappointed. Anyway, uh, Smith also states, it is clear that Hollywood's preference skews towards beauty, youth, and ability, implying that disabled women are not young, beautiful, or able. The article then starts to talk about intersectionality. For individuals who are LGBT and or living with a disability, film is also a representational wilderness. Now, a lack of LGBT disabled characters contributes to a vision of the world where these two identities do not interact and where disabled people are often portrayed as sexless and or childlike. Also, 71.7% of characters with disabilities in these films were white, suggesting that people of color don't have disabilities and not even giving them the opportunity to tell their stories. As Smith's report points out, these portrayals have implications for all of us. Disability is a common trope in any form of media, from animated films to classic literature. But what is a trope exactly? Dictionary.com says it's a figurative or metaphorical use of a word or expression. Urban Dictionary, however, says it's a overused plot device. I like that one a little bit better, just because it's a little more crass than Dictionary.com. 
It's important to remember that a trope is more plot-driven than an archetype, which is what drives one individual character. Tropes and archetypes exist in every kind of media and are even studied in classrooms. They're also not inherently bad. They're just simplified roles that we all embody in real life anyway. But quite often, media doesn't quite get it right. There are three archetypes that people with disabilities often fall into. One is the victim, who is presented as a helpless object of pity or sympathy. Two is the hero, who focuses on overcoming disability. And the third is the villain. And I came across a whole article for this called The Evil Crips. I want you to think of your favorite villain. I bet they're represented as ugly or deformed and that their heroic counterparts are full of beauty and grace. Think Captain Hook from Peter Pan, an intentional amputee with a prosthetic. Or Richard III, who's the villain in his own story by William Shakespeare, a hunchback with evil lust implied to be linked to his deformity. And finally, Joker from the Batman, who is suspected to be schizophrenic. Dr. Peter Byrne, a psychiatrist at Newham University Hospital in London and an expert on the portrayal of mental illness in film, has said that mental health stereotypes have not changed in over a century of cinema. Sometimes in media, a hero will be disabled, but it will be depicted as their curse to bear. Think of Quasimodo, the hunchback of Notre Dame. He is... He has, as can be assumed, a hunched back and a deformed face. There is also the likelihood, as is hinted at the Broadway version of the play, that he is partially deaf from the volume of and his proximity to the bells in the bell tower. One trope I came across on TVTropes.com that relates back to disability that I really didn't like was the disability as an excuse for jackassery. Examples include The Secret Garden and the character of Colin, who starts off as a spoiled brat who then changes morally and physically into a healthy young boy. Another, albeit inverted, example is the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime, where Christopher, a young man with autism's father, considers his son's disability as an excuse to be a jerk to him. I'm going to be moving on now to the topic of narrative prosthesis. Now, what is narrative prosthesis? As page one of an article about narrative prosthesis says, disability pervades literary narrative, first as a stock feature of characterization, and second as an opportunistic metaphorical device. We term this perpetual discursive dependency upon disability narrative prosthesis. Writers often use disability as a crutch to bolster the narrative when they need something to be an easy metaphor for something bigger, or a plot device, or both. A story can have a lot of missing parts, and by plugging in a disability, those parts can be filled. Making it, It's also making a complex issue into something more digestible, or a trope that happens in a certain way. There are significant amounts of narrative processes in the novel The Fault in Our Stars by John Green, amongst his three main characters, Hazel, Gus, and Isaac. These characters have all been afflicted with cancer and can speak about their experiences in a way of boredom that only they can. The plot, on, the plot of the book in a, as a whole is dependent on these narrative prosthesis. 
Isaac's blindness, Hazel's chronic illness and needing to carry around an oxygen tank, and Gus's prosthetic leg. This is a problematic trope because of the way it depends on the visible aspect of disability. It completely ignores the possibility of invisible disabilities. Oftentimes, when able actors take roles for disabled parts, they are considered brave and ultra-talented. This is especially true of the illustrious Academy of the Oscar Awards. Some examples of able actors winning awards or being nominated for awards for disabled parts include Audrey Hepburn for playing a blind woman in Wait Until Dark, the whole movie Rain Man, and Kevin McHale for playing a paraplegic student in Glee. Now, Mediasmarts.ca released an article about diversity in media and common portrayals of persons with disabilities and wrote this quote. Glee was given an award by the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences for exemplifying television with a conscience. Many disabled viewers, on the other hand, view Artie as an inaccurate, stereotyped character. Artie is played by Kevin McHale, an actor who is not disabled. In addition, he embodies several common stereotypes. That persons with disabilities are only worthy of being admired if they overcome their disability. That persons with disabilities are automatically social outcasts. That persons with disabilities cannot participate in physical activities such as dancing, sports, and acting. And that the strongest emotion in the lives of persons with disabilities is their desire to not have a disability. And then there's the matter of superheroes. Disabled heroes are somewhat common in comic books and films, but there's often a search for a cure that goes along with that. Take the X-Men, for example. There is a political undertone to those films when it comes to disability that goes a lot further than Professor X being in a wheelchair. I'm not sure if this aspect of the films is as prominent to abled folks, but there is a very real parallel between the mutants and disabled people, as some of the mutants search for a cure while others do not. This is a common debate in online forums amongst abled and disabled people about whether people with disabilities need cures for their conditions. Some other heroes with disabilities include Hawkeye, who wears hearing aids in the comics, which is erased from the film, Iron Man, whose arc reactor keeps metal shards from going into his heart and keeps him alive, which is removed later in the film series, and Thor loses an eye in Thor Ragnarok, which is then replaced in the next film with a prosthetic. you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm new. That's anchor.fm new to get started.